Thank you, Judy. Well, we're starting a new series this morning. As we're going to look in the book of Daniel. But actually, this morning, our scripture reading is from Matthew 24, starting at verse 4. And I'm going to say a word. Last night, uh, we went to the Appalachian Fair and... Uh, what a what a blessing we got to hear for God and country, and then Francesca Battistelli, so talented. But what really blessed me was not just the music; it was their hearts. These artists who are so talented love the Lord, and I left thinking, man, that just it just thrills my heart to see these talented, gifted people submitting all that to Jesus. And saying, you are the reason I'm so blessed. Anyway, it was a, it was a great blessing. And poor uh, Francesca, she was sick, but still could sing better than 95% of the rest of us. So that was a great blessing. All right, Matthew 24, starting at verse 4. I ask you to stand in God's honor as I read the text aloud. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a testimony to all nations And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, Lord, there is a hope, God, among your people. There's a big mess out there. There's brokenness. uh, There's sin. There's rebellion. It's not right, Lord. But the truth is you're coming back. And Father, we, we rest in that. We trust in that. We hope in that. And as we start this study in the book of Daniel, Father, may our hearts be drawn to that fact, Lord, that you will return And things will be as they always have been meant to be, Lord. So just guide this time together. And Father, what a miracle for me to try to cover um, the big picture of prophecy in less than 30 minutes. But we pray, Father, that you might guide our time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, First, notice on the outline, just some things in general out there. First, there's... a there's always been a great hunger for prophecy. People are really interested in, in the details and, you know, what can you tell us about the future and, and um, what will happen in the future. And, and hearts are, are really hungry for that. Um, I remember reading that uh, in France, 
it was, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd written that down, but it had talked about the number of people, amazingly, who were looking to fortune tellers. It was a, uh, oh, it said there's a fortune teller for every 120 citizens in Paris, France. There's this hunger for what's going to happen in the future. What will occur? Secondly, there's a great imbalance among many who study prophecy. Either they're trying to set dates and tell you the exact date, the exact hour, when Jesus is coming back. And, of course, Jesus said, you know, nobody knows that but the Father. And then the second one is that nobody talks about it. Nobody studies his return. There, there seems to not be a hunger or a longing for Jesus to come back. And, and that's the second extreme that, that's, that often occurs. In the New Testament, there are 260 chapters. And in those 260 chapters, 318 times it talks about the Lord's return. It matters. The scriptures itself speak a lot about the fact that our Lord is coming back, that he's returning. And, and so it does matter. It, it, and I want you to notice here in verse 15 of this text, I, I think it's worthwhile uh, as it close that section of scripture. And it says, um, see, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of, through the prophet Daniel. And I want you to notice here that last phrase. He said, let the reader understand. In the Amplified, it says, let the reader take notice and ponder and consider and heed this. In other words, may we understand what God has to teach us, what he wants to reveal to us through the book of Daniel. And as the study progresses, we'll be directly in the book. But today, I want to just quickly go through an overview and um, let's look at these five errors. First is the Mosaic Law. At some point there was a council of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and they came together, always had been in complete control as they laid the plans from before the beginning of the foundation of the world. And all this started, it's beautiful, that first era was the era of the law, the Mosaic Law. And there's a section of Scripture, it's um, Exodus thirty-one eighteen. it says, and he gave to Moses, when he had ceased communing with him on Mount Sinai, the two tables of the testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. You know, that, that's always, that imagery, it's always kind of stuck in my head. God's the finger of God that wrote out on those tablets, the Ten Commandments, his law to be kept. And, of course, God worked through that law and, and, and as a basis of blessing to the people. And, and then they had... Judges, and, and then they had kings, and then we come to the book of Daniel, and, and there was a captivity as the Babylonians came in, and they carried the people away into exile for 70 years, and there was destruction, and what was spoken of as prophecy, uh, much of now is history, and, and, and then there were 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then we come to that second era, which is the church. Hey, this is where the person of history, it's his story, takes the stage. Where we move from the law to the church. We move from this is what I do to this is what has been done. As God in his love and his mercy demonstrates perfect love in Jesus coming and walking among us and becoming that perfect sinless sacrifice 
to die for us. And then, after death, being placed in a tomb, the impossible happened, the miracle of all. He came back to life. And then as he walked among them, there were over 500 witnesses, and, 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 and Jesus was, had returned. Wow, it's an incredible blessing. And then he ascended, and ten days later, the church was birthed. That era became the, the next era of God's movement, His revelation, moving through the church, the body of Christ. A um, couple of sections of Scripture here, just that you can look up later. I'm not even going to go to these. Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says, this is the rock, the, the foundation of the church, and hell shall not prevail against it. Of course, He's not speaking of Peter, some so that he's speaking of himself as Jesus being the very foundation of the church. Uh, Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. Um, Acts chapter 2, which talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon the people and of the church being born. And, um, so there are just some sections of scriptures to, to look at and studying about the church. In Colossians 3.11, we're told here there is no Jew or Greek Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. There's no distinction. There's no separation. There's no barriers that Christ does not bring together. <laughs> Man, when you come to Jesus, you come in the family. I don't care what your background is, what your past experience is. God forgives. And God gives a clean new start. Isn't that great? I mean, that's uh, that's the beauty of the gospel. Um then we move to that next phase, which comes in the future, and this is a premillennial view. Um, and that's the view of the rapture. That's the view that there will come a time where the church will be removed. And uh, some scriptures for that, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. Um, John 14, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to turn to... 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. He says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. These are the ones who have preceded us by death. It says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Let's look at the order of here of how this is going to occur, the rapture. Start verse 16, it says, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. So the Lord will descend, and it says, with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Man, that's going to be something, isn't it? Uh, and it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So here we have the dead in Christ raising up, and it says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> There's going to be that heavenly meeting 
We're those who have preceded us in death. And, and if he chooses to return before death for you, then you'll get to meet them together. And then we're going to head up. Notice what it says. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's a picture of the rapture. And, and then I look, look at that last phrase. I love that uh, verse 18 says, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Man, we need to be talking about this. It's coming. The rapture, well, there will be that time where those who have trusted Jesus Christ will be taken forth from the pain and the suffering um, that awaits, the, the heartache that comes. And, and that's um, the next phase, which is the tribulation period. Uh, just to write down in notes, Daniel, four chapters here, chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 11, um, Matthew 24, 21 through 24. And Revelation chapters 13 through 19. The body of Christ, the church, has left, not just the building, left the planet. And so what's left is chaos and pain. And and what's left is, is a lot of turmoil Um Will anybody be saved during that time? Well, as you look through the scriptures, the answer to that is yes. And there will be those who die for that decision to follow Christ. There will be great suffering. Um, on the stage at that time will be a guy that's described of in the scriptures as the beast. There will be this treaty in the Middle East where once there was fighting, once there was despair, and this one will rise up and he will be all powerful and he'll be charismatic and people will flock to him saying, he is the hope, he is the answer. And during that time, there's going to be a, a new financial device that we speak of as the mark of the beast. You have to have this mark or you, know, you can't get any money. If you don't have this mark, it's very difficult for you to survive because... You, you don't have what you need in order to trade for food and for basic needs. And, and, and the PR man of the, of the beast will be the false prophet. And the devil, Satan himself, will be the power behind all of this. The world will love this guy. But the scripture says that during this tribulation period, what will finally come is a judgment for all of that. And in... And, and, we mentioned this already, Revelation 13 through 19. And I want to look uh, at Revelation 19. Um, let's start here at verse 11. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, <laughs> whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Is there any wonder who this guy is? <laughs> He's the Lord. He's Jesus. Um. I want you to notice here as he goes on. Uh, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, linen, white and clean. 
Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He'll rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress to the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Not suffering servant, which is the way he came the first time, but he comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. He comes as the victorious, conquering one who takes forth the rule he has deserved all along. The land has been on lease <laughs> but the owners return. That's that's what we have. That's what we have a picture of here in the scripture. It's curious to me, uh, verse fourteen. I, you know, this is just speculation. You know, the funny thing about prophecy: there's so many people that write about prophecy. So many great Bible teachers, and so often they disagree. I remember Cindy telling me one time several of her favorite Bible teachers: uh, John MacArthur, Chuck Swindoll, and there's even a couple more I can't remember. But they all disagreed. And it's like, oh. And all these great Bible teachers. And, and so there are some things, you know, that it's hard uh, to understand. And we, we just see God show me and, and help me learn. So, But anyway, I looked at verse 14. It says, The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. You know, I thought, who are these armies? Well, we'll jump back up to verse 8. Or actually, let's look at verse 7. He says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. You know who the bride is. Those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Hey man, if you belong to Jesus, you're the bride. What he says here about the bride. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Fine linen. Now, this is what caught my eye. As you jump back down here to the text in verse 14, is it talks about these armies of heaven that were following him, riding on white horses. And how are they dressed? In fine linen, white and clean. So could it be that at that moment where Jesus comes in victorious, we'll be with him? I'm no warrior. I don't claim any of that. But I think I can do okay behind Jesus. Don't you? What a picture. What a picture. You know, it's just exciting to think about Jesus. Uh, it says in verse 15, he has this, iron, he'll be an iron ruler. Uh, he'll rule with an iron scepter. And, and then that supreme name. And, uh, and then one last one here, um, the millennial kingdom. Some have said, well, why will there be a kingdom? Why will there be a thousand-year reign? Because God has some promises to the Jews that he will fulfill. And what God promises, God does. God is faithful and he's true to his promises. A couple of sections of scripture you can look at in your personal study. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah 11. Isaiah chapters 40 through 66. There'll be this perfect kingdom. There'll be this thousand year rule where God's promises will be true. And praise God, I don't think there'll even be thorns and briars and weeds. I mean, it'll be the perfect place that God's designed for His promises to be made true. And there's a section of Scripture here in, in Isaiah 11. You know, it's it's caught my eye and many of you have seen it too and what a place it's going to be i want you to look for me to isaiah chapter 11 
We're going to start at verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. And his place of rest will be glorious. Hey man, this is a picture where once what was danger, there's healing. Jesus is ruling And it's a place of peace. And it's a place of safety. And it's a place where what once was chaos is now under his control in a way that we can see. Not just by faith, but by experience. Uh, Just some fascinating stuff. Uh, uh, Quickly here, just a couple more things here. Daniel's scope. His focus was the Gentile world. If you look in the book of Revelation, we think about prophecy. You know, what comes to mind is the book of Revelation. Of course, that closes out our holy scriptures. That speaks mostly with a focus on the Jews and God fulfilling all of that. But the book of Daniel, there's more of a focus on the Gentiles. And secondly, God usually spoke to him through dreams. That, that was the most common mode of how he spoke and okay so here you know like i said prophecy very complicated i don't pretend to know all the answers to all this but there's one thing i'm sure of regardless of whether we want to agree or disagree on some of the details jesus is coming back that's just the way it is man i look forward to that now there's some days that sit around and say this is just a mess Lord. My life's a mess. My neighbor's life's a mess. You guys are a mess. Jesus, come back. We just keep tripping over our own feet. We need a Savior. But I look for that day where, God, I can just, it'll be right. And as I come to the end of this, I guess that's always the call for every sermon. I, I used to love what um, Charles Spurgeon you know, that preacher that all us preachers quote. And they said, Spurgeon was well known for always saying, as you start preaching as quick as you can, make a beeline for the cross. And why is that? Because the, the scriptures teach us about a relationship with God and, and carry us through in growth of that relationship. But it, man, we have to start. We have to have the relationship And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. It is by saying, I'm a mess and I need a master. And that master has paid the price for my sin. He is the chosen one. He is the living one. He is the God of all. He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. And until we come to that point to where we subject ourselves to Him and receive the new life that He provides, we just are wanderers. We don't know what we're doing. 
we need it. And so that's the invitation as I come to this. Uh, as we start this study in Daniel, it's all got to start with Jesus. The call is a relationship with Him. There's no way to understand the Scriptures without the work of the Holy Spirit. The way the Holy Spirit is received is through Jesus. And so that's that's my cry. We have an altar that's open. Uh, come and pray. Um, seek Jesus. Uh, anyone here, if you haven't made a commitment to Christ, you know, I encourage you to come. Love to pray with you. Maybe there's somebody else you know you'd rather talk to. It doesn't have to be me by any means. But don't put that off. It needs to be dealt with. Turn to Jesus. You know, uh, I'm gonna say this real quick. It's on the 1158. I, I, Lord, thank you. I can't believe I got through all that. Um, we heard Francesca last night, and she was sick and trying to sing and coughing. She said, I, I just want to tell you my soapbox right now. So, you know, she, she said, y'all just sit down a minute, because everybody was standing up and, you know, and all that stuff at a concert. She said, it bothers me that in the church we're hurting, but we're afraid to be honest. Her new album talks about honesty. She said, guys, if we love each other and we care about each other, we need to be honest. We need to quit acting like things are wonderful. I'm not talking about constantly whining and, you know, what they say about a pity party. The problem with a pity party is nobody wants to go. I agree with that. But I'm talking about a genuine hurt, and you just need somebody. And I can't think of a better place to find that comfort than among the people of God. You know, that just kind of spoke to my heart. And, and you know, and uh, I certainly don't want to get off on air. I mean, we've had a tough time for a while, but I'm not the only one. And I thank you for the support you've given me. I remember when we had shared, you know, some of the struggles we had with the boys one time in church, and um, one of you guys came up to me. It's kind of funny because you know, there's a part of you I don't know if I want to talk because, you know, man, this is ugly, you know. But then one of you guys came up to me, whispered my ear, and said, "What took you so long?" And I thought, "Wow, that true." So I thank you for your prayers. Yeah, right, let's pray. God. Uh, We sure are missing, oh God. But you, oh Lord, you offer hope. And as we've done this overview of prophecy, we know what the final word is. It's victory. But for now, Lord, we're kind of caught up in our own little battles. And Father, I pray for the one who has not submitted to the victor. Your word says in First John, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, it's the one who is born of God. Father, it may be there's one here who never had that experience of Jesus transforming and forgiving and changing the heart and making, making the person new. He wants to do that. And Father, I just give that as invitation to someone here that maybe hasn't made that step what better time than now? <laughs> may, it, may it occur, old master. Uh, secondly, oh, Father, do we need to pray? Do we need to come to the altar? Do we need to share with one another? What do you want to do?
Oh, God, I'm tired of trying to control everything. I do a bad job of it. So, Father, I just bring it to you. I guess the great thing about studying prophecy is it is hopeful, Lord. As I look at your word, I see that you are going to win, and I get to go with you. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, Father, it's this invitation comes to a time to sing. May we respond to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray.